Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. Welcome to the cold weather running episode. In this episode, I'm going to be discussing, now that the weather is turning a little bit chillier, how do you run during the winter? Are there things you need to consider? Are there things you need to change? Does cold weather running affect your performance at all? And then when, of course, does it become dangerous to run outside? Welcome. Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth. I'm very excited that you're here. Today is a solo episode talking about cold weather running. And I do have some friends and clients and runners on the other side of the world in the hemisphere where they're entering their summer. But for most of us, the days are getting shorter and the mornings are getting chillier. And for also many of us is a welcome relief after the very, very hot summer we've just had. However, Temperatures are going to keep sliding downwards. And at some point, you're going to ask yourself, hey, like, is it okay to run outside? Do I want to run outside? Are there any drawbacks to running outside when it's cold, when it's this cold, when it's this whatever, fill in the blank, wintry condition? So first up, let's get something out of the way. Yeah, it's totally fine to run in the cold. It's completely okay to run in the winter. It's completely fine to run outside. How cold your kind of ceiling or threshold or floor, I guess it would be, when you decide, hey, I don't really want to run outside today because of the conditions. For most people, that just comes down to personal preference. My personal floor for when I will run outside comes about zero degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 17 or 18 degrees below zero Celsius. And But you can safely, if you're well-equipped, safely run in temperatures below that before it actually becomes legitimately dangerous to be spending time outside. And for those of you who live in the upper Midwest or in Scandinavian countries, you may be the ones who are experiencing at some point conditions, especially with a wind chill, that actually does put you in, hey, you actually shouldn't run outside because it's legitimately dangerous territory. Alongside anybody listening from Alaska, uh, from uh, the upper parts of Canada, from Antarctica, welcome to the show. I didn't know they had podcasts in Antarctica. I'm just kidding. They have everything in Antarctica. So yes, it's completely safe to run outside in the winter to a certain point, which is extraordinarily cold, which most of us actually will never experience in the conditions where we live. The key part to any winter run is going to be the gear that you have. It is completely safe to run outside in a myriad of conditions as long as you are equipped properly. Now, the human body is kind of endlessly adaptable to a variety of conditions, but we are much better at cooling ourselves off than we are at heating ourselves up because I'm sure you've noticed, hey, you know what? You can survive but sweat a lot in 100 degree heat but you can't really survive exposed below freezing for that long. The body's primary mechanism of heating itself up is actually by shivering it. So kind of a a fun fact and a detour. 
our body heat is actually mostly generated by our muscles, the metabolic process that our muscles go through to create energy. When we run and when we heat up um, and we sweat, even though we might be in cooler conditions, we're still sweating. And you're thinking, why? You know, I'm sweating to cool myself off. I know why I sweat when it's super hot out. Why am I sweating when it's cold out? So actually because your body temperature rises because of the heat that is generated by your actual muscles. So that is also a way that your body uses specifically to heat itself up. It sweats to cool itself off. It shivers. It makes your muscles move. It makes your muscles create energy as a way to heat itself up. Now, of course, if you're running outside, you are heating yourself up plenty. Um, but there are some considerations that we need to take into account when it comes to our performance outside, fueling when it's that cold outside, and how, uh, how our gear choices might change our performance as well. A general rule of thumb to keep in mind when you are dressing for cold weather conditions is that you actually want to do, you want to dress up. <laughs> what does this mean? You want to dress for conditions that are slightly warmer than the actual temperature outside to account for that heat that your muscles will be generating. Generally speaking, this means we want to dress for conditions that are roughly 10 to 25 degrees Fahrenheit or 5 to 10 degrees Celsius warmer than what it's currently doing outside. But there are some exceptions, if especially if it's wet. Um, what does this mean? So this means that, you know, when the temperature starts to dip down into the, you know, towards freezing, our temptation might be to bundle way up, to put on our heavy jacket, to put on the heavy gloves, to put on the hat and the tights and the whole shebang and maybe bring out, uh, you know, hand warmers and, and foot warmers and all this. You know what? You don't need that. That's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Sometimes cold weather dressing does take some trial and error. Um, you, It's not to say, and I'm not advocating at all for that anybody do anything very risky. However, dressing in layers, dressing a little bit lighter than you think you might need to, and also the essential gear of gloves and or, not even and or, gloves, yes, head coverings, whether that's covering your ears with a headband or wearing a hat, are also very good ways of keeping some you know, body heat to feel warmer inside. Now, again, keep in mind, once you get going, especially if you're doing any sort of workout or harder effort run, your body is just going to generate even more heat. If you're wearing lots of layers, one of the ways that layers work, just how, how insulation works in general in our bodies, when we wear layers, our body heat is generated and kind of trapped inside the layers close to our skin and that's how we stay warm is actually trapped warm air between our layers and you know our skin and the air layer and then the clothing layer and then the outside world. So the heavier that your layers, the less permeable that they are, the less breathable that those layers are, the more heat's going to be trapped against your skin. And nowhere is this more apparent than if you are wearing a waterproof layer, a rain jacket, a waterproof outer layer. That is going to be one of the least permeable, and in some cases, something that you might want, but least permeable layers that you can wear because it traps a lot of heat. And it also, along with heat, is going to trap moisture. This is generally why I don't recommend wearing any sort of rainproof layer until it gets to be quite chilly out um, to, you know, the 40 degrees, 30 degrees for Celsius people. That's, you know, on the 
the zero to five degree range because um, while it might, it's not even gonna keep you dry, it, it might keep some of the rain out, but it's gonna trap so much heat that you're gonna be sweating <laughs> anyways, and you might arrive home soaked with sweat instead of soaked with rain. And so, you know, if you've ever worn a raincoat on a run when it's been fairly mild out, you'll understand that this is not necessarily, you don't need to necessarily keep yourself dry when it's warmer, but you do need to keep yourself or at least parts of your self, self parts of your body dry when the temperature dips down. One of the big dangers that we're talking about in cold weather running, whether it is dry or it is snowing or slushy is that frostbite is the main concern. Frostbite is when your skin freezes, your tissues actually freeze or start to freeze. And of course it starts at the surface layer and then it it kind of works its way downwards depending on how extreme the conditions are and how long you spend in those conditions. But frostbite is nasty and actually can be incredibly serious. People, you know, require amputations because of frostbite. So anything that we can do to avoid getting frostbite is going to be essential. Frostbite is going to be a a highest risk for you in most situations in your extremities, in your hands and feet, right? These are the things that are farthest away from your heart, from the circulation, the warm blood circulation that's going to heat them up. It is really essential, especially your hands, but also your feet, that you focus on keeping those parts of your body protected, not even necessarily warm. We're not talking about like, oh, I need to heat my hands up. No, you need to protect the tissue. You do not want to lose any fingers to frostbite because you didn't wear the proper gloves on a cold weather run. And in this situation, we really are talking about sub-freezing temperatures below 32 degrees Fahrenheit below zero degrees Celsius. You can't freeze (laughs) until you're below that. You can become miserable in conditions that are slightly warmer than that, especially if you are wet. Getting wet is kind of a big no-no, especially in the extremities, especially your hands when the temperatures are cool out. But when we talk about protecting yourself, we want to talk about protecting ourselves from from the tips of our fingers, the tips of our toes, all the way back into our body. Right, so the core, our actual core body temperature, the core or our trunk of our body is going to have a much easier time keeping itself warmer than our fingers will. So my recommendation for any time the weather starts to dip into cool territories, grab a pair of gloves, start wearing gloves. I start wearing gloves probably around in the 40s, you know, 40s to, yeah, especially when they get that chill in the air, you know, roughly five degrees centigrade, five degrees Celsius. There are a variety of running specific gloves available. There are a variety of just outdoor active wear gloves available. Like don't wear leather driving gloves on your run, but there are so, so, so many options for you in a variety of a couple different features we're looking for, a variety of weights, right? So how heavy is this glove? You can go anywhere from a very light you know, single layer kind of synthetic knit glove or a glove liner, just kind of like, oh, just a little layer, the equivalent of kind of a singlet, a singlet layer, a tank top for your hands, all the way to extremely heavyweight, insulated, waterproof, windproof pouch for a hand warmer style gloves that you might wear in Arctic conditions. 
you range the gamut all the way from the lightest layer to the heaviest layer possible. You have many options in between. Something that is really going to be key, especially when the weather is wet, right? So if it's snowing, sleeting, anything that, even if it's snowing and it's a dry snow, if it lands on you, it's going to melt, right? So any precipitation that's occurring during your run, or if it's very, very windy, you can bite through a lot of layers. You want to consider a waterproof or a, at least if it's windy, a windproof layer over your hands. Now there are some running specific gloves that come with their like glove style, but they have this little kind of like mitten thing that you pull over the glove part to turn them into waterproof or windproof gloves. Those are fantastic because they're super versatile. You need like one pair of gloves for two situations. Um, or if in really, really wet cases, I actually went out and this was a fun purchase that I made. You can get Gore-Tex, which is a super heavy duty, waterproof, active, you know, synthetic um, outdoor material Gore-Tex glove covers. So I can wear any pair of glove or gloves that I want. I can wear glove liners. I can wear, you know, ski gloves. I can wear gloves. And then over that, I put my Gore-Tex glove covers. Nothing is getting through those Gore-Tex glove covers. Now, yes, of course, at that point, you're wearing multiple pairs of gloves. Like you want to make sure that what you're doing doesn't require you to consistently have to like take your gloves off and put them back on and take them off and put them back on, take them off, put them back on, because that's kind of impossible at some point. But in terms of keeping your hands dry, that is your key, that is your prime directive, right? Keep your hands dry to help keep them warm. Try to keep the wind out to help keep them warm. And I'm going to reiterate this again and again and again. The gear is really important. What you wear on cold weather runs is really important. And it's genuinely worth getting the gear that makes sense for you. And this is kind of where it sucks to be a runner sometimes. Because in the summer, all you need is a pair of shoes. And maybe it's a little bit pricey. And then, you know, a t-shirt and some shorts. And you can go and you're fine. Um, And yes, of course, you can make things as complicated or as expensive as you want. But... In the winter, you don't really have an option. If you're going to be running outside, you actually do need to buy some additional gear just to keep yourself safe. And I just, just there's no way around it. There are ways to buy secondhand gear. There are ways to buy gear that's on sale. Um, There are ways to shop around. There are maybe some, you know, different ways for you to buy gear. You don't have to break the bank. You don't have to go and spend thousands of dollars on a new wardrobe. But if you're going to be running outside in the cold, you need to dress appropriately. So gloves, you know, kind of first and foremost gloves. I put gloves on before I put a long sleeve shirt on, quite honestly. Like I put gloves on with a t-shirt and then like you kind of layer your way down, right? So first, first up it's gloves, right? As the temperature drops and then you put a long sleeve shirt on, but you're still wearing shorts. And then you put a hat on and gloves and a long sleeve shirt, but you're still wearing shorts. And then maybe you put tights on, but you're wearing a short sleeve shirt and gloves and a hat. Like, so there are different ways as you understand what makes you most comfortable as the temperature drops to kind of mix and match the layer. Like I said, a pair of gloves goes a long way. A hat or covering your ears goes a long way towards your comfort level without having to bundle up heavily, especially in the core of your body. Now, of course, in certain conditions, like, no, you shouldn't be wearing shorts. No, you shouldn't be wearing a short sleeve shirt in specific conditions. Yes, you should be wearing a jacket. Yes, you should be wearing lined tights. Yes, you should be wearing, you know, um, the heaviest socks you can find. Maybe you should be wearing toe warmers in your shoes. All of these things, 
this so much of this is about the specific comfort level in the range of conditions that you're in. Okay, so we did gloves, hat, pretty self-explanatory, different kinds of hats. Love a good headband because it lets your head breathe but keeps your ears warm. Again, we're talking about extremities, just like your uh, hands, your ears. Also don't want to get have frostbite in your ears, so keep those covered, especially as temperatures start to go down. If it is precipitating, you can wear a billed hat, like a baseball hat, a hat with a brim, a hat with a bill. To keep any precipitation off your face, you can wear that under or over any sort of additional head covering, whether that's a, a hat, like a billed hat covered by a warm hat, like a knit hat, whether that is a build hat with a headband over it, right? Layer, layer up, baby, layer up. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Got your hands, you got your head covered, you got your ears covered, okay? Feet. Feet. This is the one people tend to ask about the most, about, you know, how, how, if, when do my footwear choices do my sneakers, do my shoes need to change depending on conditions? So one of the things that we have talked about is that it gets cold, right? It does precipitate. Occasionally it will snow. It might sleet, freezing rain, right? All that stuff, you know, keep yourself as dry as possible in those conditions. Dry hands. That's when a rain layer is appropriate. But what about your feet when it is snowy, when it's cold, when it's icy? Generally speaking, we have a couple different options when it comes to our footwear and the conditions when we're running outside. If you are running outside and it's dry, like maybe it has snowed, but it is dry and it is chilly, you know, but not below zero, um, below you know, that 17, 18 degrees below zero centigrade um, marker, right? That's kind of where, as a, as an American and our Fahrenheit system, like for me, I really think of it as like, a, you know, 20 degrees to 30 degrees is one category, 10 to 20 degrees is another category, and then zero to 10 is a third category. And then below zero is like, are you sure you want to be outside? But um, Generally speaking, if it is dry, if you're going to be running on cleared paths, right, a shoveled sidewalk, a clear road, it is not where you are running currently slushy or icy, or you're not running on packed snow, maybe running, you might be running through a dusting of snow, right? But generally speaking, it's just like running outside when it's, you know, in the summer, except it's cold in terms of what the terrain, the conditions, what your the surface you're going to be running on looks like. Generally speaking, you're okay to wear your normal running shoes. If the road is clear, if the sidewalk's clear, if you're running on normal pavement, normal cement, normal asphalt, and it's clear, it's not icy, you're not running through drifts, just wear your normal sneakers. You may want to look at options for socks that are heavier. They do make 
windproof socks. They do make waterproof socks. You can also put, um, they're, you know, designed for, I grew up wearing them in my ski boots, toe warmers, oxygen activated toe warmers. You can put, you know, at the bottom of the top of your shoes, at the top of your toe box, the underneath your feet, the bottom of your shoes at the top of your toe box to keep your toes warm. Right. If you notice at any point in time that your toes are becoming numb, that is not a good sign. You never want your feet to go numb from the cold. Right. And one of the things we have to keep in mind is that normal running shoes, typical running shoes are very breathable. They let moisture out. If you were to step through a puddle, your shoe would drain, but they also means that they let things in too. In many conditions, like I said, your normal running shoes will be perfectly fine as long as you are comfortable in them in the conditions. And I really haven't talked about when it gets below zero, below, you know, that 17, 18 degree mark um, yet, but we're going to, because that falls in the, hey, you really need to be careful here situation. But up until now, we're really talking about when it gets down to roughly zero. Um, if you are comfortable, physically comfortable in normal shoes to up to certain conditions, you're typically fine to wear your normal shoes on clear roads. Now, there are other special shoe options that you have available to you. One is a winterized version of a typical running shoe and or a trail shoe and or a winterized trail shoe. Depending on who makes them, winterized versions of regular running shoes are going to have all the traditional characteristics of that running shoe model. Typically, it's going to be one of the more popular models that the brand makes. It's just going to be winterized. And what does this mean? It typically means that it has less breathable. It has some insulation. It probably has some grippier features on the outsole. Um, So it's not a full trail shoe where it's like super tready, but it has features in the rubber of the bottom, the outsole that make it grippier on ice or on snow, or just a little bit more traction than your typical road running shoe. That's non-winterized various, um, waterproofing or windproofing characteristics as well. Typically though, this should be just kind of like a, a beefed up version of the normal version of that shoe. And it's important to keep in mind that the different kind of variations of shoe we're talking about, like, I don't know all the differences. There are, um, do your own research when it comes to this. Hey, what shoe do you like to wear? Go to that website, that brand and say, do they make a winterized version of my normal shoe? What are my winterized version options here for a cold weather running shoe? Um, the other thing to keep in mind is that there is a big difference between being wind resistant or water repellent and water proof. A water repellent shoe is going to be um, somewhat breathable still. It's going to, it's going to let some moisture out and it's going to be repellent. Okay. Like it's going to, it's not, if you step in a puddle, your shoe's going to get wet. Um, but it's going to repel if you're just running in snow that is then melting on your shoe, it'll probably keep your foot mostly dry. If you are running in extraordinarily slushy conditions, if you are in a situation where you are running where your feet might be actually going through water, or if it's very, very heavy snow that you're running through, it is snow whether it's coming down or you might be running through drifts, I would consider getting a waterproof shoe instead. 
Now you don't want to wear a waterproof shoe or really any of these winterized shoes in conditions where it doesn't call for it. Your foot also sweats. If you were to wear a winterized running shoe that's waterproof when it's 75 degrees outside like that, it would be completely inappropriate. Your foot would be dying, right? It would be crazy hot and it would be really uncomfortable. The insulative properties of these shoes are important in the conditions in which they are meant to be worn in. So if you're wearing a waterproof shoe, just know that it's going to be not, it's not going to breathe. It's not going to breathe at all, but it's not to say that it doesn't have value for the situation that you need to wear it in. So generally speaking, like I said, a winterized version of a normal running shoe is going to be the normal shoe just with beefy winterized characteristics, right? So, um, what those are, like I said, again, depends on who is making it and what those you know proprietary characteristics are for that brand. The other option you have when you are looking at footwear, you can also switch over from road running shoes to trail running shoes. Trail running shoes also come in two versions, non-winterized and winterized. Trail running shoes are going to be a bit more, they're going to be treadier, like the outsole, you're going to have just a deeper tread in general compared to a road running shoe, even a winterized running shoe, because they're meant to be worn in the woods. Now, if you are the kind of person who doesn't really want to have 95 pairs of running shoes laying around and you're looking for shoes that can do double duty and you also spend time trail running, you can probably wear trail running shoes in certain winter conditions, as long as your foot is staying relatively dry and comfortable. Um, so you don't necessarily have to buy a run, a road running shoe and then a winterized version of the road running shoe and then a trail running shoe and then a winterized version of the trail running shoe. Like, of course that adds up. And while some of us do really enjoy spending a lot of time, I don't necessarily enjoy spending money on running shoes, but I like enjoying spending time buying running shoes. Um, there are ways to make your collection work harder, not smarter. So trail running shoes, if you are the person who already might feel like they would be an asset to you. Maybe you already have a pair of trail running shoes in your closet. That can be a good option when conditions get a little treacherous outside. Not to say that they're going to be awesome on ice, but um, they're they're tready. Probably good for, I wear my trail running shoes on packed, not loose, not drifting, not, you know, packed snow where it's, you know, actual snow. It's not just pavement and it works great. It works great. The other option for the specialized shoe, again, is that ultimate end of the spectrum is the winterized trail running shoe. These bad boys are designed to actually take you into winter conditions in the back country. So all the things we talked about with a winterized road running shoe, plus the characteristics of a trail running shoe, these will probably get you to the center of the earth and back in a variety of very, very harsh conditions waterproof, super tready, luggy outsoles, ultra durable. Um, so it, again, it just depends on kind of where you want to spend your money, the characteristics that you're looking for in a running shoe. If you're actually going to be doing that much running outside in super nasty conditions or not, right? Talk about variable variability of terrain. So trail running shoes are really designed. Not, roads are smooth, right? Except when we run on that one crappy road with all the potholes. But imagine if, you know, the trail is a variable terrain. You're running over rocks and roots. You're running over not perfectly flat surfaces. That's what trail shoes are designed to help you um, deal with. So the spectrum of running shoes you can wear outside ranges from just wear your normal shoes, maybe heavier socks, all the way up to, yep, 
these shoes will probably get you to Antarctica in a winterized trail running shoe. Something we haven't talked about yet is ice. Ice-specific conditions. If you are running outside where there are or may be accumulated patches of ice, whether smooth glare ice, black ice that you can't see, whether actually just kind of that weird, rocky, remelted ice-snow combo. Ice is different from snow. Ice sucks. If anybody has run outside, I was so good, by the way. I hadn't fallen on ice until last year, and then I just took a total freaking digger on one of my runs, like, you know, worried I chipped my elbow, just totally, totally wiped out because there was a patch of glare ice underneath. I was, it was snowing and it was underneath some freshly fallen snow. Whoo, just totally out from under me. And I was wearing, I forget what I was wearing at the time. It wasn't an ice apparatus. It wasn't ice shoes. And I think I was wearing a winterized trail shoe, but think about the characteristics of having a layer of glare ice with a layer of snow and then putting your foot down on top of that, you know, there's almost not enough traction in the world. However, I probably would have been okay if I had been wearing something like an ice, uh, I don't even want to call it an overlay. You can get things to put on the bottom of your sneakers, the bottom of any pair of running shoes. They are a little net of spikes that you can add to help give you traction. Now, they, there are a bunch of different kinds of products like this, some of which are designed for just walking or hiking, some of which are designed specifically for running. So the two brands that I know of that are good for running, one is the brand Yak Tracks makes a running specific thing you can put on the bottom of your shoe that is meant for running. The spikes are going to be smaller. The other one is Catula makes something called Nano Spikes. They have Micro Spikes, which are larger, and those are meant for hiking or walking. Nano Spikes are meant specifically for running, and they are... It's just this, you know, kind of a, a, a rubber, um, you know, think of like a hairnet for your head, but it's like a, a rubber hairnet for your shoe at the bottom of your shoe that is covered in these little metal spikes to help you provide traction on ice or packed snow. I would hesitate to wear these on a run where there's going to be significant pavement involvement. Like I, because it's not as fun. It's kind of not great to run on pavement in these just because it's not comfortable um, while you can adjust them and they come in sizes to fit your foot correctly. Like it's not perfect. They might slide off. This is one of those things where it's a tool. It's not going to be great, but it allows us to do most of what we're trying to do in winter conditions. So I would, I would, these are great. Um, just don't necessarily think, oh, it's cold out. I need to wear my nano spikes now. Like, no, they're for ice. They're actually meant for icy conditions. And the last option that you have, the full DIY version is to actually just take an, a pair of sneakers that you already own and drill very short length called hex screws, drywall screws, screws. You can, you can Google this, <laughs> drill, drill them in the bottom of your shoe. Um, you can obviously, once you've done that, these shoes are forever your ice shoes until you throw them out. You can't exactly take the um, uh, screws out and put them back in, take them out, put them back in. Like once they're in, they're in. But this is a great, super cost-effective option. Just make sure you get screws that are short and don't go through the bottom of your sole. You do not want to be stepping on screws as you run. You want them to be just providing traction on the bottom of your shoes. So that's, these are kind of all your footwear options. And again, it's one of those things where 
What are the conditions that you're running in? How much time are you gonna be spending in those conditions? What is the training that you're doing in these conditions gonna look like? Do you have, you know, is this gonna be something where it's mostly paved, cleared trail in conditions that really don't get below 15 degrees Fahrenheit? You are probably fine in almost most situations wearing a normal pair of running shoes and maybe a heavier sock. But if you're going to be spending time in extraordinarily cold conditions, in very, very slushy conditions, in places where you know they don't clear the roads very well, you'll be running a lot of, on a lot of ice, a lot of weird kind of mushy snow or rehardened kind of that, like maybe you need a more intensive footwear option. Now, beyond the, the hat, the gloves, the shoes, um, what you wear on your body, the tights, the, whether they're light tights or uh, lined tights or windproof tights, you know, the layers that you wear on your upper body, this is all going to be dependent on, again, the situations. And I have to, as an aside, I, I, tr- I don't like to, I don't often do this because it makes me feel like really anxious and uncomfortable. Um, but I was reading reviews of the podcast the other day. And for everybody who's reviewed this, I thank you so, so, so much. I'm so happy that you're listening. I'm so happy that you're learning. I think my favorite review so far was a not great review. Somebody told me that all this podcast does is say, well, it depends and that somebody would be better off Googling it. And yeah, you're right. The answer is it depends because there is no one size fits all situation. There is no one size fits all piece of advice because, hey, guess what? It depends. It would be disingenuous of me to give you an answer assuming that it was going to be the answer that you needed in every situation, right? We are all people who live in very different places. We are very different types of runners. So yeah, guess what? It depends. And part of this whole running journey is finding out how it depends applies to you. So if a lot of the answers are, it depends, it's always going to be followed up with a lot of information and options that you have. So yeah, What should you wear when you're running when it's cold out? Well, it depends. How cold is it? Is it raining? Is it snowing? Is it windy? Is it, you know, is it night? Is it day? Is it, (laughs) are you sensitive to cold? Are you pretty impervious to the cold? All these things mean that it depends. It depends. So again, generally speaking, what to wear on your body, you know, tights, the upper part of your body, the layers, generally speaking, be again, talking about, Hey, you know, you want to put gloves on first, but keep your short sleeve and then put a long sleeve and then, you know, all these things. So generally speaking, um, I also like to espouse the value of getting a vest, a running vest is kind of an interim, you know, between bridging the gap between, you know, no coat and a coat. (laughs) Um, so, a long sleeve, very, very wide variety of long sleeve style layers, whether it is a light long sleeve, it is a fleece lined long sleeve, is it a windproof long sleeve, it is actually a long sleeve and then you put a quarter zip over that or do you put a tank top on and then a long sleeve over it. A vest, a windproof vest is an invaluable tool. If you can keep your core, the trunk of your body warm, you know, keep your hands warm, that's an excellent way to bridge the gap, like I said, between having to wear an actual coat. Because once you put a coat on, we talked about how the insulative properties of coats and how layers work. Once you put a coat on, you are committing to the fact that every the coat's gonna insulate your body really effectively. And if you start overheating on your run, you don't really have that many options because it might not be uh, warm enough for you to actually take your coat off. And then it's like, where do you put it? Do you tie it around your waist? What is this, 1994? 
having that vest option is such a good versatile tool. I cannot talk more more highly than I am already about the value of a high quality windproof running vest. Where you get one, most running brands make a running vest. Um, I have a variety of running vests. I have one, and they can also double, by the way, as visibility layers. We haven't even talked about that, how you're running in the dark, you wanna stay bright. You can buy bright yellow or bright orange vests with reflective layers, reflective tape, reflective components on them. But shop around, do some looking. Um, you know, I any sort of you know outdoor store or running brand is going to have probably their own option for a running vest. But I think it's really, I really would recommend that you look into getting a vest as part of your cold weather gear arsenal. Beyond that, again, your coat options, once you actually do dip your toe into the running coat options, there are a million, million, billion, billion options depending on how, you know, lightweight, heavyweight, insulated, breathable features, blah, 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 blah. Again, we always want to make sure that we are dressing up, dressing down, dressing up, dressing for slightly warmer conditions than the run is actually going to be occurring in to a certain point. Again, that point is roughly around zero degrees Fahrenheit, negative 17 degrees Celsius. So you have a, a kind of a lot of exploring to do when it comes to what cold weather gear looks like for you, the combination of things that you like to wear in certain conditions. Now let's talk about the actual running, the physiological part, the actual, not just how you dress. Let's talk about the actual performance. Does running in the cold affect your actual physiological performance or any of the things that are happening inside your body? Yes. Yes, it does. Of course. Of course it does. To what degree is going to depend on many factors, including how cold is it and how well have you prepared to run in the environment in which you're running? This is when Dressing for the conditions, and again, reiterate, the gear that you wear when you train in the cold weather is very, very, very important because, yes, if your body becomes too cold, if your core body temperature starts to drop, if not even just the safety factor of like the frostbite in your hands, from a physiological, from a performance perspective, if cold muscles, cold body does not perform as well as a non-cold body, what does this mean? Well, it, in the kind of colloquial sense of, you know, when your muscles are cold and that they haven't warmed up yet, if you were to just walk out your front door and start running, you would be running on quote unquote cold muscles. And this is where we talk about the value of a pre-run dynamic warm-up to prep your body for the work that is about to come, to get the blood flowing to your muscles, to get the energy kind of systems kind of primed and ready to go. Warming up before your run becomes even more essential during cold weather conditions. You may have been able to get away with not doing a pre-run warm-up during warm weather running because your muscles actually warmed up pretty quickly. You cannot get away with it when it's cold out. And as a reminder, static stretching is not an effective way to warm up for your run. Do not stand there and just hold stretches. That is not warming up your body. Stretching is an entirely different conversation. If you do want to stretch, you can do it after your run, but static stretching is not to be done before your run and especially not in cold weather conditions. So the pre-run warm-up is essential for cold weather runs. Before you head out the door, do a dynamic warm-up of five to 10 minutes long. Do things like um, walking lunges, leg swings, inchworms. Uh, there are 
hamstring sweeps. There are a variety of different pre-run warm-up activities you can do, but you need to warm up your muscles, get the blood flowing, prime your system for activity before you even step out the door into those cold weather conditions. Because once you do step out the door into the actual cold weather, depending on how extremely cold that it is, you are then also fighting against the temperature the cold temperature that is trying to cool your muscles down. So starting with warm muscles is really important. Yes, you will generate heat from your muscles, but you are also fighting against the battle of the elements, especially as the temperature just gets colder and colder and colder down that scale. Why is it important to keep your muscles warm? And what does cold weather, what do cold muscles have working against them? Why is running with cold muscles, muscles that are cold in cold temperatures, how is that different from when your muscles are warm? As the temperature decreases and and dips below freezing and then heads on downwards, your muscles progressively become less flexible, right? Kind Kind of, you know, they can become stiff. Your flexibility decreases, your agility decreases your ability to become, to be agile, to move in an agile way. The, the power, the strength, the actual power that your muscle can create, your muscle strength decreases, your nerve conduction time increases. It takes longer for signals to get to where they're supposed to be going. And then when the signal does get there, the actual contraction of the muscle is not as strong as it would be under better temperature, optimal temperature conditions. What does this mean? Like, what does this mean for you as a runner? What does it mean when you step outside and your cold weather muscles are not generating as much power, right? Which means you can't run as fast in cold weather conditions as in warm weather conditions. Well, this is one good to know, important to understand what's happening to your body. Like just from like logically, just think about what happens when things get cold, they slow down, right? Why would your body, why would your muscles be anything different? And yes, there are some ways you are counteracting some of this effect because your muscles are also generating heat. Yes, but you are still existing. You are still um, doing this activity in cold weather. And sometimes, like I said, as we head on down that temperature gradient, very, very, very cold weather. So yeah, you're less efficient. You're a little bit slower. You're not generating as much power. Uh, The actual rate of oxygen that your body can use decreases. You are in a sense slowing down in the cold and that is completely normal and completely natural. And that's totally okay. It's just something you need to be aware of. You might think that because, you know, cold weather is helping suppress those body temperature increases you might experience in hot weather, that you will be able to run much faster in cold weather conditions and in hot weather conditions. But if you find that's not true, you understand why that is. You may also notice in cold weather conditions that your heart rate is elevated relative to where it would be quote unquote normally at that same effort level or at that same pace range. And you might be kind of confused and frustrated by this and think, well, um, if it's cold out, I shouldn't have any issue shedding body heat. Why is my, why is my heart rate increasing? Like, this is ridiculous. Why can't I run faster? Why can't my heart rate be lower? Why can't this work in my favor? And again, it's just one of those things where you have to understand what the cold is actually doing to your body in cold weather conditions, in cold environments, Your body's priority is to survive. So part of what your body does in the cold weather is 
it tries to generate as much heat as possible and it also tries to conserve the heat that it has. So your body is actively working harder than it would be under other conditions to elevate your body's core temperature, to resist the cold coming in from the outside, right? So your body's actually burning a little bit hotter in kind of a, a layperson sense. Your the, the oven's been turned up. The fire has been stoked. Your body is actively burning energy in order to try to keep you warm in cold environments. The other thing is that cold is a vasoconstrictor. Vaso meaning vessels, constrictor meaning constricts. This is the opposite of vasodilation, which you talked about when your blood vessels dilate. Vasoconstriction is when your blood vessels constrict, they narrow. What does this mean? It means that your heart has to pump harder, pump more to get the same blood flow to where it needs to be. So you have these two things working against you in cold weather conditions when it comes to your heart rate is that one, your body is actively working harder to try to keep itself warm. And two, your body's actively having to actually work harder to get the blood where it needs to go throughout your body. So that just alone can contribute to what would be an elevated, more elevated, higher than expected heart rate under certain conditions. So we have to apply all the knowledge that we also learned about hot weather running, understanding that it is not, our body doesn't understand pace and it doesn't understand distance. It understands effort and it understands duration and apply that same logic to our cold weather runs instead. You have to make sure on your cold weather runs that you are in the proper effort zone, not necessarily adhering specifically to the pace guideline instead, because just like how hot weather skews our paces relative to our effort, cold weather can do the same thing. If you are struggling to hit your quote unquote prescribed paces during a cold weather run, especially on the colder end of that cold weather designation, and your, your heart rate is higher than it should be, and the effort feels much harder than it should be, you have to think of this in the same way as you would during a very hot weather run and adjust so your effort is in the right place. Now, if you live in an environment where your summers are pretty warm and humid and your winters are pretty cold and snowy, you might feel like you're spending most of the year just running slower than you should be relative to where your fitness is and only getting a glimpse at what your actual best performance is on the shoulder seasons of that fall and spring when those optimal conditions kick in. And that's just kind of part of the sport. If you are training in extreme conditions, you have to make adjustments. You have to always run based on where your effort is, not where you want your pace to be. So this takes a lot of skill and education for yourself as a runner to understand you know, hey, this is supposed to be a lactate threshold workout, except it's 10 degrees outside. You know, I'm going to go out and actually pay attention to my effort and my heart rate and not necessarily be really upset about the pace that I can't hit because, because you're in extreme conditions and you're not going to be able to necessarily hit that pace in that effort zone because it's so cold. Just like if you were to look at the other end of the spectrum and say it's 90 degrees outside, I don't think I can hit my lactate threshold pace because that's going to take me out of that proper effort zone. So it's the same kind of adjustment that you need to do because yes, yes, the cold will affect your performance. Does that mean you can't pull out some amazing performances in cold weather running? Absolutely not. 
Might you notice a difference in some of your training, especially in very cold conditions? Yeah, you might. And this is where it's understanding what the cold weather is doing to your body is important. There's nothing wrong with you. You're not getting less fit. You're not defective. It's it's okay. It's the cold. The cold does affect you. And that's because you're human. You are an exothermic creature. You're not a lizard. (laughs) You're going to be affected metabolically by the cold. And that's completely normal. Now, as I mentioned, you know, your, your body is burning through more energy to try to keep you warm. And that actually means that your energy uh, cost, the energy needs of your body increase during cold weather runs. So you you know, you don't need less fuel. You need at least the same amount of fuel as you would during a normal weather run. You might even need more depending on exactly how extreme the conditions are, because you need to keep that fire stoked. You need to keep that fire burning inside. You need to provide your body with enough of the wood, AKA glucose, AKA carbohydrate that it needs in order to keep your body warm and perform the way you want it to in these cold weather conditions. But sometimes it can be tricky to adjust to cold weather fueling and hydration because there are logistical concerns that you have when it's sub zero, sub freezing, below freezing, when it's cold, that you don't have when it's not freezing out. So from a hydration standpoint, obviously the immediate concern is that your hydration is going to freeze. And this is when it's important to understand, you know, anything that's kind of kept away from your body heat. If you are the kind of runner who carries a handheld bottle, it's probably not going to, you know, especially if it's really cold out, probably going to end up freezing in the bottle. This is where you want to carry a hydration source that is something you can keep close to your body, either something where a bottle that you wear against your skin, like a flip belt with the water bottle. Um, Maybe it's not against your skin directly, but it's underneath your outermost layer and it is somewhat protected. You know, don't start with cold water, start with warmer water in that bottle. Uh, similar with hydration packs. If you are wearing a hydration pack, you can either wear it underneath your topmost layer. If you are the kind of person who it runs enough that it makes sense to buy something like this in the, for these conditions, you can buy insulated hydration pack bladders. You can buy insulated hydration packs. Those are two options you can carry with you to help prevent the freezing of your hydration in the pack itself, along with insulated covers for your hydration hose. So the hydration, so your water doesn't freeze in the hose on the way from the pack to your mouth. Furthermore, adding electrolytes, specifically salt, can lower the water the temperature which the water can um, go down to before it actually freezes. This is why, this is why the ocean um, can get below 32 degrees before it actually freezes. So fun fact about how uh, salt water works. So it's important to think through the logistics of your hydration in cold weather because you don't want to, especially in very, very nasty conditions, have to stop a lot, have to be fumbling with a lot of layers, you don't want your water to freeze, um, and you don't want to become dehydrated. Even though you won't necessarily be sweating as much as you would on a very hot or humid run, you are still going to sweat and you still need hydration. Similar to how your hydration logistics may change, your fueling logistics may also change uh, because your fuel might freeze <laughs> or it might, you know, gummies don't, aren't very gummy at zero degrees. Um, you know, so the, the fueling options that you bring with you, you know, you want to make sure that if you are, they are susceptible to freezing, that you're keeping them again, close to your body, you're keeping them warm. 
And remember, just because you're not feeling thirsty or you're not feeling like you need to fuel up doesn't mean that you don't need fuel or hydration on these, especially on these longer runs. It just means that your body might not be sending you those signals that you're used to receiving in more optimal conditions because it's kind of preoccupied with keeping you from dying <laughs> because it's so cold out, right? So it'll, it might take a little bit of trial and error again to figure out what is working specifically for you and the logistics of how the fuel that you like to take generally, how that fuel operates in cooler weather conditions. You know, can, can you even get the gel out of the pack or is it too thick? You know, do you switch to something that's more liquid based? Do you switch to something that's more chewable? Do you mix it into your hydration? Like all these things that are able to be kind of tweaked depending on what the conditions that you're running in are. So do not neglect hydration, do not neglect your fueling, but think through the logistics of how that's going to work in cooler weather temperatures. There are a couple of considerations we talk about being unsafe really when dangerous conditions kick in. So one, we talked about frostbite before, what frostbite does, and that, that really tends to be extremities, exposed skin, um, hands, feet, nose, ears. And sometimes, you know, that, that can happen with enough exposure. If you just stood outside, if it were slightly below freezing for long enough, eventually, yes, you might get frostbite, but as the temperature drops, it becomes more dangerous for those extremities. The other concern is hypothermia. Hypothermia is when your core body temperature drops. Now, don't think just because you're doing an activity that creates heat inside your body that you are immune to hypothermia, especially if you're not dressing correctly. Dressing for cold weather runs is a balance between not overheating, but limiting the exposure to the conditions what actually could cause hypothermia, could cause that core body temperature decrease in you because, you know, exposure can kill you. Hypothermia can kill you. You know, this is all kind of like, yeah, cold weather running is fun and beautiful and snowy and you're so extreme and you're so hardcore. And sometimes we forget that what we're dealing with here is if we don't prepare correctly and don't treat the cold weather with the respect that it deserves, it can kill us. Now, for shorter runs, this is less likely. In populated areas, this is less likely. You can always pop in somewhere, you know, pop into a gas station, pop into a shop, knock on somebody's door if you're in distress. Obviously, carrying your cell phone is very important. But if you're the kind of person who likes to go on very rambling rural runs, if you are a winter trail runner, it is essential that you have your gear choices down, that you understand what cold weather actually does to you, that you understand how extreme the conditions actually are that you are in. And while as long as you keep moving, of course, hypothermia is rare. I would be remiss if I didn't at least put it into your mind as a possibility that, look, you know, we need to respect the cold weather when we run in it. But more likely, one of the dangers, again, like I said, is frostbite. So um, symptoms of frostbite, if you are out in cold weather with improper protection on your extremities, they're going to feel really cold. Your hands, your feet, your nose, your ears are going to feel cold and they're going to start to hurt. Um, you may then experience pins and needles, that kind of tingling in that affected area. And then eventually it's going to become numb as the tissue starts to freeze. So don't let it get to pins and needles. Don't let it become numb. Don't let it get that far, right? So if it starts to feel cold and painful, your extremities, your toes, your fingers, your nose, your ears, and you've been outside and it's very cold, you're outside and this is currently happening, you know, cut it short. 
you don't want to lose your nose to frostbite just because, you know, you didn't dress properly for the conditions. And just to kind of give you some numbers to put behind this, um, how long can you stay outside before your extremities will begin to freeze? So obviously while frostbite can occur anytime that the conditions are sub sub zero or mean below freezing, um, sub zero below zero degrees Fahrenheit, below 17 degrees, um, negative 17 degrees Celsius. That's when we're really entering the, Hey, this is actually kind of unsafe territory, especially because at temperatures that are that low, we also always need to consider the wind chill. If there's any sort of wind that is just going to suck any heat that is available right out of there is a reason that wind chill we don't when it's when it's hot out right we look at the real feel we take into account humidity that dew point right now sun exposure on the opposite end of the spectrum when it's that cold we always want to consider the wind chill right so not necessarily just what the ambient temperature is what the air temperature is but with the wind what does it feel like so around actual zero degrees of like the air temperature with the wind chill even a five mile per hour wind can drop a zero degree day to a negative 11 degree day. That's freaking cold. And once we start down the path of, hey, it's, it's below zero degrees or below 17 degrees Celsius, so negative 17. Once we start down the path of th- we're in that territory and it's getting colder, that's where the danger zones start to come in. So there seems to be a big barrier when it comes to looking at the temperature when it goes from like, you know, negative, it feels like negative 11, feels like negative 15. As soon as it starts feeling like negative 22 or below with that wind chill, and for Celsius, it's around negative 29 degrees. Um, that's when we start to say, hey, you have 30 minutes until frostbite will kick in for exposed skin. You know, if you're the kind of runner who's out there when it's negative 22 degrees with, you know, wind chill and you're running, I mean, you gotta dart, you gotta know what you're in for anyways, but this is something where it's, you know, what the, the clock is really starting to tick. If you are out running in these conditions, I would recommend not just wearing all the layers that we have previously mentioned, but wearing like a balaclava, wearing something over your face, not having any exposed skin at all. If you're going to be running outside in conditions that are this cold or colder, Quite honestly, I would really think twice uh, before I'd recommend that anybody run when it's is this cold outside unless they are an extraordinarily experienced outdoor weather athlete. But this is really when we're talking about this isn't like fun and games anymore. Like, ah, it's so extreme. You know, getting down to the point where spending time outside for any period, not even significant period of time, there are conditions where your skin can freeze in less than five minutes, right? So just so you know, (laughs) just so we're all aware, um, that's really when it starts to become like, hey, is this safe for me to be outside? Not even is is this comfortable. I don't know anybody who'd be really comfortable when it's that cold outside. Is it even safe for me to be out here because it's so dang cold? The other, of course, obvious thing is when it's unsafe to run in in winter weather conditions is when it's actively storming outside. I mean, I, I hate that I have to kind of point this out. But if it is blizzard-like conditions, even if it's snowing, visibility is absolute crap in the snow. If you are running on any sort of road in the snow, that's just not safe from a runner versus motorist standpoint. Um, Not to mention the fact that roads can get slick and slippery. You can start out on dry roads. You can end up on wet, slick roads. Things can freeze as you go on. But yes, generally speaking, you know, 
if it's if it's nasty weather, if you wouldn't go for a walk in it, I wouldn't go for a run in it either when it comes to winter weather. All of this to say, cold weather running, you should run in the cold. I don't want you to be a fair weather runner. I want you to, as long as you are safe, to get out and run this winter in the cold. As Have some fun. Be consistent with your training. Don't just stay inside huddled on the treadmill all winter unless it's legitimately unsafe for you to be outside, right? You don't want to be the kind of runner who only runs when it's perfect outside because tough conditions make tough runners. Mentally, physically, plus winter running is beautiful. It can be beautiful until the slush sets in and everything turns kind of gray. (laughs) But I hope you've learned something. I hope you've learned something that helps bring you into this winter season of training with a, a, in a knowledge of the best practices for winter running kind of gives you a starting place for what your training might look like in the winter from a gear perspective, from a logistics perspective, some things to think about in terms of hydration and fueling, what your footwear options might be, kind of the gear options. And they are, like I said, kind of endless in terms of the availability of different types of tights and shirts and, you know, jackets. But I will again say how much I think a running vest is a valuable addition to your wardrobe, especially for these transitional periods where it goes not really quite freezing cold yet, but it starts to cool off. So anyways, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Hope you learned something. If you're not quite sure what to do over the winter because you're not really training for a race, this might be a great time to base build, or maybe you are training for a race and maybe you're looking for a plan for either of those things. Don't forget, I do have training plans available on runningexplained.co, race specific, base building. I don't want you left out in the cold, pun intended, just because your big fall race training cycle has ended and you're not quite sure what to do next, there is always something to do next. So until next time, happy running. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at running explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time. This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.